The following podcast is recorded and produced by Emerge, a media creators co-op, in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. podcast where we teach you how to fight uh, especially a gorn. gorn yeah fighting a gorn going to fight yes a gorn. we actually will see we can actually discuss the double fist punch yeah we hit uh we we're gonna hit him in the back <laughs> knock him over yeah that's how i used to fight lizards when i was in high school but not yet not yet First, we're, we're not getting there and that's our third episode we're covering today yeah. First up is Galileo 7, I believe. Yes. And you weren't real fond of this episode, correct? Not, not terribly fond of this episode. Um, so, I'm, do you want me, I'll read the description from the uh, Star Trek Encyclopedia, which is incredibly out of date, because I think this came out in probably like, I'm not even sure Voyager was done yet. So, geez. so it's definitely got some errors. But anyways, this is the original series episode 14. And the shuttlecraft piloted by Spock crashes on planet Taurus 2, uh, forcing him to, gr- to, to grope with the life and death responsibilities of command. Uh, <laughs> grope doesn't seem like it's a good word to sound, use. That's it what it says. Grope? He's groping. <laughs> He's going to get canceled. <laughs> uh, the Enterprise shuttlecraft made its first appearance in this episode. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? It's, that's the word. That's what's in here. Is that even true? I don't. I don't know. I think we've seen it before. Well, we? we've always loved. That's why I like these old descriptions of the episodes because they don't seem like they were anybody was they, you know. No, we saw it in because um, the VC the VHS tapes have weird descriptions too. Yeah, yeah we saw it in. Uh, yeah. um, we we saw it in the one where where the the menagerie. We yeah. saw it in the menagerie. Yeah. Um, although we might not have seen the exterior, it might have just been the interior the I entire guess. time in the original. Well, broadcast. that's this is like. Well, you know, I think what it says is the Enterprise shuttle cl- craft. Oh. Because that's not that mm. was a that was that ship was a starbase shuttle craft. Right. That wasn't the Galileo Seven. Okay, so I think the coolest thing we get out of this is we do get the exterior of the Galileo Seven because I don't think we would have seen them getting. We just see an interior shot of him and. Um, the Commodore, or whatever his name is, the, who wasn't really there, yeah. sitting there in the contr- at the controls. But they don't. Um, I think they built this. This is the episode they actually built the exterior for. Yeah. So. So. Which is a cool thing. I I do love the that. I mean, if you were a kid and you could have like that as your play, you know, your playhouse <laughs> in the backyard, that'd be pretty cool. Think about that. So I I, I might have I think I interrupted you. So I think we were on groping. Yes. Command. Apparently, yes. Mr. Spock groped his way into command. I feel like that would get you'd get canceled now if you wrote that. So, I was making sure that it wasn't like just a spelling error and it was group, but like no, forcing him to grope with life and death responsibilities of command. <laughs> they probably meant grapple, which grapple. I, I guess I if you grapple like, with the, yeah. like from uh, Wrath of Khan. Yeah, which I, is from whatever. Yeah, I guess if you like translated it from like a language that's not as precise as english <laughs> and then back into english yeah i'm wondering like that's yeah i don't know who, where this description is from 
Because it's in italic, so I'm wondering, like, if they copy and pasted it. Yeah, because grope and grapple are similar words in, right. like, in their definitions. Right. It's just that they have different, very different meanings. Well, I, there's obviously we've joked about the fact in the enemy within when, you know, when they're trapped on the planet. Why didn't they just send the shuttlecraft down? Well, they didn't have a shuttlecraft then. But it's funny because the model always had the shuttle bay doors on the back of the ship. So I think that they just hadn't decided to introduce the shuttlecraft. So someone worked in a cannon that the Enterprise didn't have any shuttlecrafts at that point for some odd reason. I, someone probably put it in a stupid book or something and think that <laughs> it's not canon, but they, you know, whatever. So. Yeah, at least the, um, the sh at least so. the shuttlecraft was... Well, it didn't last long. Is, it didn't is, last. Yeah, it did not no. last. Um, the first yeah, ironically, they're always the Galileo 7, right? Yes. Or they, cause Do they have different numbers? I guess I'd have to go and look at them. Oh, I, I thought... I, I didn't even pay attention to the actual shuttlecraft number. I was just... I the episode's called the Galileo 7, and I'm assuming, is it because there were seven people on the ship, or is that the n numeric name of this of the... I, I thought it was because of... No, the there's seven. There's a seven on the side oh. of the model. Well, I didn't. I, I thought there was no, the number of. I answered my own question. I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but you yeah, because I'm look. There's a picture of it in the book, so. Yeah, I mean, it. Look, this this episode is weird for a couple of different reasons. Right. I think it. it does it say in the description there that they um, this is Spock's first command. That's kind of what it course. says. That's all. It, it doesn't really have more. Um, that's all it has in there. Everything else that's listed is just the character names and who directed it and stuff. There's not any more information. Yeah, I mean, they, they do say it in the episode, I think, that, like, it was... Like, this is a problem with canon for obvious a lot of reasons because yeah. we already know on, on Strange New Worlds that he's in command all the time. Well, There's several times on Strange New Worlds that he's in command, so, it, you know. And I also don't think that, like, any military structure is going to put somebody with no command experience whatsoever in, as the second Isn't in there command. there like an internship that he hey. had to like, you know, something? And he's been in command <laughs> of the Enterprise in yes. this show. He's, yes. Like he was in command of the Enterprise when when uh, Kirk went down to the maybe planet. Maybe when it comes right down, maybe just McCoy's just wrong. <laughs> because yeah. maybe McCoy's just an idiot, like because he said because it's not like Spock says it was first. This I maybe Spock does say yes, it was my first command, and it, I don't know maybe I don't know. It's, that's not the biggest problem with this episode. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of problems. There's You're gonna have to be more specific. I don't. I I think that every single one of those jerks that were on the shuttlecraft with him that gave him lip should have all been like court-martialed. Ones that didn't die, but like <laughs> they were jerks. Like and they're racist and they're like they're just, ba Bama. He just he's just that guy needs like to go see Counselor Troy or whoever the counselor is on the Enterprise because he's just a jerk from the beginning. He's a jerk. Yeah, it's very much just like it, it's very much just the the oh computer stuff again. Like right. you you don't even care about any of us. Like yeah. this, and, and it's annoying because it's like he's your superior officer and yes you're in a stressful situation. But you're you went to school for this, like you 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 know like it's those movies where the guys like I didn't sign up for this shit. No, these people literally signed up for this shit. They signed up. They went to the academy, even if they're an enlisted man, they have to go to basic training or whatever it is. And now they're just being re they're being just like and, and nobody supports Spock. 
like Scotty should have said, guys, like he's your commanding officer. Let's get our shit together. Like we have to figure out like Scotty's not giving him a hard time. Yeah, these are all I, I'm pretty sure these are all officers, too. I don't I think would, I'm assuming so. I, 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 I forget. You got Lieutenant Boma. Yep, that's an officer. You got Lieutenant Gatano. Another officer. Lieutenant uh, Imamura. Another officer. Lieutenant, Lieutenant, they're all lieutenants. Okay, all. A yeoman. The yeoman's oh, not. Okay. Yeoman, she's not. So we've got one enlisted yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I think the yeoman was the girl, right? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a you know, 60s Seems show. Seems like they only had yeomans. Um, well, they, they got. I yeah. think we see a male it's yeoman at and, least. And once. we're not going to use the word grope in relation yeah. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Spock was not Spock's groping. Spock's not the groping with the yeoman. <laughs> <laughs> it would be <laughs> Dupring would come and kick his ass. Yeah. So well, we, you know. Yeah, we don't know about Dupring yet. Yeah. Um, I, that's not well, we do if you watch Strange New Worlds. But again, <laughs> we're, we're, we're flirting with, like, what's canon? Because people get very upset about that. Yeah. But okay. Um, I, I, I do like the concept of they land on a planet. Mm-hmm. That's not. Um, I think is it class M. It, it's like it, it's I, barely class M. I think they actually say that in the episode. Yeah, I, I think like in later Star Trek they would call it like a demon class, but right. or is that a different? I might be confusing that with a different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know or class right. F or something like that. It's well, they're literally alphabetical because I know like in um, in Deep Space Nine that episode where Quark and Odo get trapped on that planet for the ascent, which is one of my favorite Deep Space Nine episodes. Uh, I think that's an L-class planet. So yeah. I'm assuming they're just like A through M's the good one. It's like mm. kind of the middle of the alphabet, and then they went up and down from there. Yeah. You know, I'm I assuming th- there's some variation of that grid. You know. Yeah, I would definitely call this planet probably an L. Uh, I, I, I like the fact that we have the, the, the races that are like basically like a Neanderthal-type thing, but they're huge. Yeah. Um, and I like that they, they even mention that, like when the one guy, they beam him up, the one guy, they beam him up, and he's like, it's a big creature, similar to Hansen's planet, but much, much bigger. Like, you know, uh, you know, there's, 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 um, I like the fact that there's like, we see kind of that there's other races on other planets that are humanoid, but they're maybe not, obviously this, they're, they're much older, you know, they're, they have, uh, they're younger in their terms of their development. Yeah, they're they kind of annoyed me though with that because like the the giants that move very slow is kind of an overused trope. Like you, right. you even, like I don't know what the direction was for um for our giants here because like there's this one scene where you know uh whatever yellow shirt gets knocked down right. and the giants just approaching him and he's just like like this right. <laughs> and just kind of lumbers up to him. Right. It's like have 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 we never seen an elephant before Do, are those things slow like you know yeah, like i didn't think about that like i i, I, I don't like know. the inconsistency of the size of the shield oh yeah like they drop the one <laughs> shield they throw and it's tiny and then they cut away and it's big yeah like <laughs> there's some and then even and i think i joked about this off camera when we were talking about this last time is the spear throwing by the, the stagehands is awful <laughs> because they're literally like guys my height who i'm five seven and they're throwing them like like really low, <laughs> like should they be coming in <laughs> like this? Yeah. Like did they could they get on a ladder and throw the? I mean, like I think someone should. Aren't these guys supposed to be seven feet tall? Are they throwing them like, like, like softball pitches, like side, you know, like a side throw? Yeah, they're just like, uh, just just make <laughs> sure you don't hit Leonard Nimoy in the head with one of these. 
Um, <laughs> and, like, he, the, like, the, the one guy, he gets speared in the back, and that, that had to suck, because that was, like, the size of, it's like getting hit with a sharpened stinger missile, you yeah, know? right, it was not, it's not, they're not pointy sticks, they're, they're, like, these ridiculous things. Oh. Um, yeah, like. What, what do you, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things we don't like. Um, I like Scotty in this episode. I think I, this is one of those episodes where Scotty really is full on, you know, figuring shit out. Like, he's draining the phasers, he figures out how to do the batteries to, to get the guys out of there. Um, Scotty has a nice, I think James Doohan does a nice job in this episode. I like his interaction with Spock. Like, when they're all harassing him. And then the guys are like hitting the, 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 the monsters are hitting the roof of it. And yeah. Scotty's like, you got your hands full. Like he's, yeah. he's trying to support his coworker, um, his superior and do his job. I, I like Scotty and this. Scotty's the only one besides Spock that kind of holds it together for the whole episode. Yeah. Mc, uh, McCoy was no help whatsoever in this entire Again, he episode. He should be on report. Yeah. He's like, he should, they should go back and the ones that didn't die should be on report. Maybe not the yeoman. Cause she was like, she was fine. She didn't really say anything too nasty. But the two guys that died in Boma were just ridiculous. They should have been all on report. Yeah, like I mean, Spock, not that Spock's going to get any awards for command ideas. Like, I'm going to leave the guy here by himself and <laughs> hope that it all works out. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I thought it was, like, good like good character development for right. Spock because he was, like, he was working under the assumption that the creatures would behave rationally. Right. Uh, because they, I, if I remember correctly, they either kill like, one. Well, his speech that he gives, he's like, he says that he's like, you're right. He says like, you know, I've, I've made one logical decision after another and yet two men have died and he's shocked. He's shocked that they don't follow like what, and obviously I think that's supposed to play into this concept that he's an inexperienced in command, even though we know that that doesn't make any sense. No, you know, he's, if he's, you go with the premise that this is accurate within his command experience it makes sense but it screws up it just doesn't work with kirk yeah it it it, this would definitely be a better story if like you had somebody like uh chekhov in command like chekhov's still an officer but he's like what what does he come on as an ensign or something like that i'm assuming yes like it it it, i think tng does this concept a lot better with uh wesley crusher right i don't know if you remember this episode it's where he's with the card and the cards hurt he's with the guy uh not that one it's the one where he um he's put in command of a geological survey okay and like he's basically commanding like officers who are higher rank than him right but since he was put in command he's you know, and there's a lot of like, there's they still do a lot of good stuff like that with Next Generation, like the the one when Data has to command that one ship, and the guy's almost doing the same thing. Yeah. That these guys are doing in Galaxy, like you know, those there's men down there, and then finally Data like impresses the guy, and the guy says Captain, but like Data should have put the guy on report for just being <laughs> racist against androids. Like I'm a, I'm still your commanding officer. Like, he just wouldn't. I mean, I, I think that's just a, I guess that's a trope within Star Trek. They like to use those things. I know. mean, honestly, if I if I had this over to, to do over again, it probably wouldn't have, like, been okay at the time. Right. I would have put Ohura in command of this mission. This would have been a fun and one. I mean, they obviously didn't do that back then. 
But I mean, yeah, I would have loved to have seen like an Ahura mission, a Chekhov mission. They only always got the B story. They never get really got the A story. And uh, even those were limited because they're only asking for um, somebody who it makes more sense right. for them to be an inexperienced. Yeah, and they commander. didn't have to be like that. He was making logical decisions. He was just making inexperienced decisions. Um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, like this could have been an interesting episode. Like, you know, I think that's a really good point. Um, I, I th- th- back to the ship. I really like a lot of what sh- Captain Kirk's going through. Mm. I do like that side. He's almost the B story. And his interactions with – it's a joke. There was something on – I saw it on Facebook, on one of my Facebook groups, about joking about all these other guys that are that are on the Enterprise and that are jerks. Mm-hmm. Like Commodore, like, like the one – remember there's the one guy um, – during the deadly years that wants to get the ship to Starbase, whatever. And then there's like, you know, Barris on, <laughs> on, on K7. But then there's this guy, too. There's this guy who's like, hey, we're going to go now. You're in charge for another 12 minutes and 13 seconds. And, you know, like that whole thing where he's just not, he's using his, throwing his weight around. And, you know, and um, Kirk's, you know, trying to save his crew. Yeah, like that's, you know. Yeah, that that B plot was actually interesting because like, it's it's weird how like the the f- it's it's not called the Federation yet, but right. how like this command structure is sh- set up because like like even in modern times like it, I f- I cannot remember for the life of me what what the Commodore wanted like they were supposed to move medical supplies to the planet. Okay, and well, they were perishable, so they only had a certain limit of time. And I've seen some things online when this episode's been discussed about people think that Kirk should have, like, left and come back or something. But, I mean, then that just spots are stupid. You know, like, yeah. he's not going to let them die. And it's not just because it's Kirk and Spock, because the one thing I'll say that goes back to what I like in this episode is when he finds out that many of the crew survived. Like, he's just as relieved, doesn't know which one survived. He's just glad that five of the seven made it back. And he, he obviously later on he determines um, which ones they were. I mean, you can argue he's going to know Spock's name now. Yeah. Spock's still out there. But, like, um, but I do like the fact that Kirk reacts positively that, um, you know, that most of his crew got back. Yeah, it's, it's – I mean, it, they, they still kind of had, like, this weird, like – You've you've criticized it before, but like th- at the end of the episode, they all are like laughing and you know right. yucking it up, and it's like you know, yeah, it's two two crewmen are still dead, you know. Well, um, yeah, and there's always that. Like we we joke about that all the time that yeah. that's just the way shows were written back then. Yeah. Like um, like even the episode we'll, we'll get to when like Kirk's brother died, they're giggling at the end of that episode too, which is <laughs> kind of funny, you know. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember what that um what that one guy's name was. Yeah, oh, Ferris, that's yeah. the guy. That was the guy. Commodore on. Ferris. Yeah, he was just, you know, like, punch that guy in the face. Like, But it's kind of a, th- it, it is one of those funny things, like, they do that multiple times on Star Trek, where the guy that's a step above them um, is not necessarily understanding. And obviously it works because then Captain Kirk is passionate about it. But the guy was like, yeah, you got, I'll give you 12 hours, and I don't want you to leave your guys either, you know, like. Like, even, even the, it's kind of funny because the space, the shuttlecraft, that was working, the Columbus or whatever the other one was, that one could have stayed and kept 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming they're not going to want to pair Atkinson. Like, they could have stayed and kept working. Yeah. Like, I always thought that well, that would have been an interesting thing. Like, because the shuttlecrafts have, like, a really long range. They're not like TIE fighters in Star Wars. Like, they have, like, you know. They, they have a decent range, but, like, it's. I- if you remember from uh, y- the, the Menagerie, they, they do have an operational right. range that. Um, yeah, you're probably right. So I, I don't know how long they could stay there. Yeah. But um they could have come back and come back for yeah. uh, another trip or Yeah, something like that. Or Well, they're always they're th- that's the funny running joke of Star Trek. They're, st- they're the only ship in the quadrant way too often. And you know, they always say like, "Oh, he's the only ship in the quadrant." And you're like, you know, okay, the only ship in <laughs> like there's I mean, I know this is the beginning of the Federation, so to speak, and and there's not as many the, the universe is kind of you know, kind of like the old west or whatever. So there yeah. is there's the only ship now, so to speak. Yeah, twelve uh twelve flagships like the Enterprise. Right. Um, which are the constitution classes. Um I, has that been mentioned yet or is that still coming up? I don't think we get to how many constitution classes there are. Right. There's an episode we definitely says how many there are in the fleet. I yeah, he I says guess we'll, I don't remember that off there, there are twelve like her in the fleet is what he says. Like then we see some of them obviously aren't gonna Anything else on Galileo 7? Any other comments or con- questions or concerns or complaints? I liked, uh, I liked the solution at the end. You know, like Yeah, Spock's I guess we, that's really kind of the most important thing. Yeah, Spock's just like, all right, well, he, he doesn't even say anything before he does it. He just, like, he's just right. like, beep, and then, you know. And well, and I like they harass him about yeah. it when they get back to the ship. <laughs> and he's kind of like, it seems like an emotional response. And his answer is, I determined that using pure logic, that the best course of action was an act of desperation. Yeah. And he's kind of got a point. Like, and I do like Kirk's like, so you're not going to admit that he's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and then they, like, you're a very stubborn man. Yes, sir. I, yeah. This is why we like Star Trek. Yeah, we fun. like Star Trek because of those ridiculous scenes that where they have those types of interactions, yeah. right? Yeah. Although the the acting is bad when they're all fake laughing, like yeah. there's some guys in the back that need to go back to acting school if you're going to do that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. I mean the um, <laughs> overall the, the it was an ugly episode. <laughs> like it's not a great episode. It, 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 it you know it's just a lot of gray, like everything's gray. The the planet's gray. The inside of the right. ship is gray. Right. You know the the sky is greenish gray. It's just the volume. The Star Trek volume. Yeah. The the the, the the giants are gray. It's just. I would love to like figure out. There's. I'm sure there isn't a way to do this, but it would be funny. Like if you could like recognize like which rocks were used over and over again. Like this rock, this rock face was over here for this episode, and they moved it over here for yeah. this because it's the same rock face. They just moved them around. Oh, yeah. They were on wheels and casters, and they, you know, blocks on them to stop them from rolling. And they moved them around. So it's like, that's the same. Like, did they repaint them? Were they always the yeah. same? When that one rock that lands on Spock's leg, is that's got to be the same rock that somebody used in it. Like, it's got to be the same. How many rocks were there? That, like, they, they reused everything else. So there had to be, like, that rock that ends up on Spock's leg at the end when he's like, no, no, go back. Yeah. You know, like, where he's willing to sacrifice himself. Yeah, I appreciate you know. that they went back for him. You know. Yeah. Uh, they and I guess that's supposed to be a key point. Ooh, they realized yeah. that he wasn't as cold and calculating because he was willing to sacrifice himself. Yeah. So. All right. So All right. yeah. Over. Uh, so now on to the next episode, which I think I think is a 
much prettier episode. It's it's I don't it's written better than this episode. The concept's weaker and the set design is better in this episode. Yes. Um, so the next episode is Destroyer of Gothos, and we don't have a videotape for that one, so I'll read it out of the book. First aired in 1967. Uh, an incredibly powerful alien life form torments the Enterprise crew, but is found to be simply a small child playing with his toys. Many fans have noted the similarity between Trelane and Q, speculating that Trelane and his parents may have actually been members of the Q continuum, although this has not actually been established in the episode. Because obviously Q was not invented until the 1980s, so I, I know. So yeah. that's the ongoing. I know that I, I reason I kept reading because I know that that's a talking point that many people are now going. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think I agree with that. Like he, he's using a technological interface of some kind to actually right control stuff. Yeah. Like he he's a very advanced. Um, he's a member of a very advanced race. Obviously, there's about 25 different omnipotent. Yeah. races in the universe yeah. that you probably could find a database of someone who's written all up. Because yeah. they, they're not the metronomes, but those guys are pretty powerful too. And then the Organians, and, and then the Q Continuum, and I'm sure there's a bunch that I'm not even thinking of. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Even the, the wormhole aliens. You know, yeah. <laughs> like are, are they, they wipe out an entire fleet of ships in the future, you know, in, in real time. Yeah. Um, I did um, I did hear, s- like, I this isn't an original thought by me, but, like, there was a comparison that they might be more similar to, like, um, the Federation in TNG than they are to, like, the Q Continuum, because they were, they were kind of using replicator technology in a way. Right. Um, which is, I think they even say that in the episode. He says that he creates, when, when they, when they finally get to the planet, I guess that's what they get to ahead of ourselves, but, like, they, he definitely, they describe the technology. The episodes, I, I did l- like this episode years ago, and so I rewatched it for the purpose of our podcast and find that I like this episode slightly more now than I used to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest complaint with this episode is that girl goes on for too long, but they had a quarter of a 50-minute episode, yeah. I liked. Um, there's almost too much. Um, but I do like the concept that this guy's – and it takes a while to get there, and I like that Kirk figures it out, you know, what's going on. Um, I do like that they realize that he's kind of a dope, right? Because, oh, like, yeah. he's he's using his equipment or his brain or whatever to watch Earth, but it, but it, because of the whatever, the time for video to travel, it's 900 years behind. <laughs> yeah. You know, so he's watching, like, the Squire of God. He's watching guys, like, in the 1800s basically been watching France and, you know, Europe, basically Europe, because he's not, he merely only seems to be watching Earth. Yeah, it's, o- it's almost like he's just kind of watching this, um, like, through th- the way we would see, a, like, ourselves th- through a very, very, very advanced telescope. Yeah, like rather the Hubble than telescope if it you know. was powerful enough to look at a planet. It, what would be, what's in your, and they always say that when you look at yeah. the stars, those stars were, that was those stars maybe a million years ago by the time yeah. you actually see that light. Yeah. Another reason why this is not really a Q-like entity because Qs right. are aware of basically everything. Right. Like, I, I I don't even think really anybody's ever fooled Q. I, well, other than other Qs, right. um, like he, you know, he has he has the ability to travel through time and stuff like that. Right. So it's like 
You know, he already knows. He has some Q-like powers, yeah. but I don't think, and I don't think that this race is certainly as knowledgeable uh, or powerful as the people that are running, especially because the parents don't even realize what the what these kids are doing. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, but that's kind of the joke that you you yeah. know kids have to kind of go around and be stupid kids. Yeah. So I do like, um, I I I I, and I think like the fact that he can manipulate matter. A lot of it is. Um, they don't really fully explain why he can move the planet and, and make the planet, mm-hmm. but he also needs the mirror, which I don't know. It's a local. Th- I don't know. I mean, they, I don't. Need, I don't need the yada yada and science. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. Um. This. This was to me, redoing Charlie X, um. Okay. In a way, but I think this is better than Charlie X. Like it, it, it gets the themes across better. I think, like, not sure. they're not exactly the same themes because the, yeah. you know Charlie X is you know this this human child given extraordinary powers, and this right. is just a a child of that race. Um, we don't know what he really looks like. He's chosen to pick this human form, and um, and I do like the performance by the actors. Uh, you know, Liberace makes it right. like it's just a Liberace to me, and. Um, I like that he. I like that he's. Oh, Desailles. Oh, he goes into French, and then the one guy's German. You know, it's a German symbol and yeah. signal. And then he and he references like these are the flags of your battles, and I think he mentions like the Crusades. And so he's got a, a weird knowledge of Earth from this long telescope lens, essentially he's been behind with. And you know, and he's looking at a um, what Kirk would say is a less you know civilized version of humanity. Duel. He mentions Alexander Hamilton without breaking into a rap song or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) I like I like all of that. I like that he had a knowledge of like Earth, but it's like from like the 1700s through like Civil, you know, maybe not the Civil War, but like what 18th century. Napoleon, maybe. Yeah, Napoleon, maybe like up into there. It's kind of weird. Obviously, with the clothing, there is one funny thing in this episode that drives me crazy. And I understand how you read his crotch, but the salt monsters in <laughs> on display in there, <laughs> which I think we're supposed to believe that he's messed with other races before, mm-hmm. and these are his trophies from the other races that he's messed with. But ironically, McCoy looks at the salt monster and doesn't recognize it. Like <laughs> that isn't that your girlfriend Nancy? Like it's <laughs> the same. It's literally the salt monster costume. And and he doesn't like oh shit it's Nancy or the salt mine like so, I mean obviously I'm sure someone in a one of the one of the books that are you know that are not canon wrote in there to the book that well it turns out that that that's what happened all the salt monsters was the Squire Gothos like destroyed their race or something <laughs> like, but it is funny like when you say oh, why'd you use that prop you know, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, went into Forrest Kelly say hey wait a second that's my girlfriend you know this monster that. Yeah, I, I I can, I imagine that it probably happened, <laughs> and the producer was just like, "No, it, we're not we're not buying new stuff just for this. I'm sorry, um, d- just for the throw throwaway thing." I um, like the sets, though. I think you're right. I like the yeah. the front doors. Yeah, it's 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 a lot like it. It's not like the foam mountainsides of the previous episode. Like right. the, it feels a little well, bit better. Yeah, I I mean in in old. I, I imagine on old TVs, the Galileo 7 set probably looked like crap on old TVs, too. Right. 
this on old TVs probably looked pretty decent. I think it's pretty cool. I think that they had a lot of cool props in their warehouse that they brought in and just, you know, like these collection of things that he brought into his environment. And I'm sure that that set is a stock set that they have. And I'm sure if we watch other Star Trek episodes, it gets reused. I wouldn't be surprised if this set wasn't used in, like, Rome and you know, the, the Dead Circuses episode. Like, there's things about this mm-hmm. that I think are pretty that are pretty cool. Um, I like, um, obviously, he's not really playing the harpsichord, but that's fine because he's, he's faking it anyway. Um, the cool thing sci-fi that I like about this was that because he didn't understand the concept of what fire was. And so he just thought it was a visual thing. He didn't realize that it shouldn't be giving it should be giving off heat, mm-hmm. and that just starts I think hurts the realization that um, he's he's not he's not the brightest you know yeah he's he's alien we've interacted with yeah and I think they ha- he has the flavorless food there too or right. or or maybe it was food that he just kind of guessed what it tasted like right um, because he's just watching stuff and right. listening somehow right um. But he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have those other sensations. Right. Um, not knowing what fire is is pretty interesting. It kind of. Well, again, he's an alien. Yeah, he's. Just, you know, I mean. Yeah, he's an energy being. Right. So exactly. I guess that makes sense. Um, I like you mentioned it earlier. I really like the way that he portrayed what he was meant to be portraying because, like, if you think about, um, I would say he's maybe a ten-year-old. Um, a human 10 year old perfectly you know kind of replicating that in you know just you know the playing of games and you know the the um desire to the character that he's created for himself entirely right and the little things that are that he's really playing a part he's playing Mm -hmm. you know like he would play with toys yeah yeah and um i also just like the way that they they fool him right because right he, he, they get into this this pistol duel. The, there are two duels. Um, the one is a pistol duel, and he, you know, very arrogant. Like he he knows he can't be hurt by you know the weapons that he created, so he he just shoots it off in the air and he's like, yeah, just go ahead and shoot me. It's not gonna work. Right. And so K- Kirk's like identified the the mirror as his source of ability. And shoots the mirror, right? Um, which, like, I I just like the idea of just taking advantage of. We find we find out later, but like just the hubris of this this right. creature, you know. Yeah, I, there's some things like that that I like that he's like, you broke it, and that's when you start to realize that he's you know like immature. And I like when Kirk's on trial. And he's like, you are a buffoon or whatever he calls him. He's like, you, you know, and, and Kirk is willing to sacrifice himself if the ship would get away. But then once he realizes when he's trapped on the steps of the house at the castle and he can't get back in, he literally just takes the sword and breaks it. Like, he's like, uh, you know, I'm bigger than, like, you may think you know how to use the sword, but like, but I'm actually trained in combat. He literally just takes the sword and breaks it. And then that's really when it accelerates the actor. And this is good directing and writing. That's really when the character loses his marbles, and he just starts to be like a petty child. Yeah. And that is good. That is well done. I think I do appreciate that. Yeah, and then that's when the parents show up, and they're just like, "Uh, sorry about him. Sorry about him. We didn't. Yeah. We didn't real. 
like they chastised him. They're like these these are beings, whatever he they called it. I don't I don't little one. I think he's like yeah. He's like you know you they 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 have feelings. It's like it's almost like if you caught if this race caught that him like hurting the cat, yeah. you know, or a dog, like yeah. you know, torturing it. Like they didn't look at it. Um, I they aren't looking at his Captain Kirk as equals. They're not like the next episode we're going to talk about where they shoot up the hope and potential of humanity. Um, they're just looking at him as we're just an inferior race that we should, we will apologize. Like the same way, sorry, buddy, that like someone was mean to a dog. Yeah. Like it's kind of that feeling. Yeah. Um, it's um, a pretty good episode. I think yeah. it's, it's a long, it probably takes too long to get there and that's just, that's fine. I do like the moment when they all like bounce from the bridge oh, back yeah. and they're all sitting at the table and her is sitting at the keyboard instead of her station. They're kind of sitting in those things. Basel's kind of a funny character in this one. He's kind of a, you know, he's kind of a hothead, and yeah. Sulu's got to kind of calm him down a little bit. Yeah, I really yeah. liked the um, just the transport effect in this episode. It was just funny. They're just yeah. like, yeah, just boo. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Let's do a quick edit. Just boo. <laughs> there is a very William Shatner, Captain Kirky moment in this episode. So they get transported, and they are badly hurt in the fight, and they're like this. Mm-hmm. And when they come alive, they, you know, they come back, and, like, there's a, Kirk's up, like, on a platform. And there's, like, a railing. And he does the most, like, over-the-top, like, he doesn't jump over it, like, with his hands. He, like, sits on it, and he dramatically spins his legs around and jumps, steps down, like, I'm Captain Kirk. Where Sulu just does, like, a the way he'd hop a fence. Like, he puts his hands on the thing, and he hops over it. Kirk's like, no, I'm not. I'm too Kirky. I'm, I'm going to do this, like, he does it in this really macho, dignified way, like, Puts his ass on it, swings his legs around. Doesn't he use his arms at all? Like he just <laughs> literally just is all it's all core, man. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I'm I'm Captain Kirk, bitch. <laughs> it's like I it's like machismo. That. Like yeah. I got bags of it over here if you need any. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, yeah, slide over this. Slide over there. Yeah. I I do like this episode a lot. I like. Spock's kind of, you know, kind of like, I don't know, I, I like the interaction. I think everybody's pretty good in this episode. Um, there's nobody that, um, yeah, there's nobody that, like, they're like, you're just like, why, why are they acting that way, you know? Like, they actually had, like, a geologist with them, yeah. you know, whatever the guy was, the German dude, um, the guy from the sci-fi episode, I don't know. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was a I was decent wondering, who was on the bridge when everybody got zapped down? Did anybody on the Enterprise realize that the bridge was empty? Did Uhura come down with them? Everybody went down. Oh, yeah. The entire bridge crew went down. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So I'm assuming that somebody... Um, yeah. I mean, yeah we I don't see them all go back to the ship, but it's kind of funny going there, and there's, like, nobody on the bridge. It's like a straight up, you know... Yeah, I, I assume some other... Somebody from engineering is like, oh, shit, there's nobody up there. Yeah. <laughs> and they're doing nothing about it, by the way. They Anybody who realized that the Enterprise bridge crew was gone, nobody did anything about it. No. <laughs> they didn't have any more money for casting or yeah. something, whatever. It's so like, oh, well, I guess we'll just uh, carry on forward until yeah. somebody else, <laughs> until something happens. I was reading something online about this episode last night, and they talked about the revolving um, uh, Helm's navigator position. That, like, you think about it, like, just about every episode, we've had a different guy sitting in the right chair in next to Sulu. And it's funny, like, if you think about it, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, they didn't have a concept of... You know, it was almost like the Jeopardy host. You're trying to decide who's going to be 
sitting in this chair learn long term. Mm-hmm. And obviously nobody from the first season ends up getting the job. Um, but you think about it in the first episode, it was, you know, it was Gary Mitchell and then it's like different people, right? Almost each other, different people every time the, the guy that's the, that ends up staying with the, you know, Bailey, like there's just different people in that yeah. chair all the time. And I liked the sales. I thought he was a cool character, but obviously I like Jimmy Chekhov. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, Chekhov coming in was definitely like the reach that, um, the show right. kind of needed to right. be more relevant, I guess at the time. So, uh, any final thoughts on this episode? Um, I like this episode more now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was not excited to watch this, but you know, after I watched it again, I was like, you know what? That's yeah. actually not bad. You know, like I think Kirk does well in this episode. I yeah. think he does all the Kirky things that we would expect. I feel like this is a character. You know, this episode, I feel like he's in the character's written well. Like I. We haven't really found too many episodes yet where we feel like Kirk's been written poorly. I think most mm-hmm. of the time we kind of like – they did a pretty good job early on. Like, Kirk's character was established pretty early on, and it stays consistent. And I don't think we – we kind of pick on old TV shows quite often. But I think this is an episode of the, the character was pretty well established, and they didn't divert too far from his lore. No. You know? He was pre- that's pretty good for a show that you don't, you know – uh, th- that it stays consistent and it doesn't have to evolve because it made sense yeah. and it's written well. So yep. Outwitted yeah. him a couple times, got saved <coughs> in the final yeah. hour by the parents. And then eventually figured it out. Yeah. And, uh, eventually figured out what yeah. was going on. Yeah. Um, I like the, uh, the, the, well, I, I liked quote unquote, the, I won. I won. I won a one. It's not fair. That's a little over the top with yeah. the acting at the end, but I get it. It was fine. Like, they really had to make sure the family obviously was doing really okay. Yeah. But um, I could have won. Like, gosh darn it, golly Jesus. Like, you know, it just kind of – it maybe was – it might have – that last – maybe there was just one too many lines of yeah. him like, just like okay, we get it. He's a little kid. Maybe there's – maybe one too many. Yeah, it kind of felt like one of those things that I used to do in, like, film school while I – when I was just like, ah, ah, this has to be 10 minutes, and it's 9 minutes and 35 seconds. I'm just going to draw out this part. I could have won. <laughs> I don't like the spotlight at that point. Yeah, that was weird. That was the someone like, no, there, why is there a spotlight? And yeah. then it just kind of like, it, it didn't, it like, it was really, it wasn't stable. Like, <laughs> it was just like, it was rocking, and then the, the, whoever was doing the manual, like, zooming or the, yeah. you know closing of the Close, hole yeah. it just really was just not on his a game yeah they, you know and then it just goes yeah it, it just disappears it, it made it it took me out of the episode a little bit yeah. because it made it feel yeah. like a stage all of a sudden like right. it didn't it didn't feel like a stage up until that point till that moment spotlight and, then, yeah. and it's like oh this is a stage right <laughs> there's a lot of different ways they could have gone with it but yeah. okay uh, yeah moving on moving on to probably one of the best most iconic Star Trek episodes of them all, right? Uh, I would say so, yeah. yeah. I think We're this is a top ten Star Trek episode. In terms of, I haven't looked this up, this is just my personal opinion, but I think if we went on like Rotten Tomatoes or wherever we rank things, I feel like this episode's going to be in the top ten. Yeah, I, I feel like um, the arena is what we're going to be talking about, is one of the episodes that people talk about even today like we uh if anybody's familiar with the mythbusters they did a yep. they did an experiment based on this episode yep. it's very much like 
Kirk versus the Gorn is really what people think of when they think of Kirk's character. Like, like he's 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 gonna try to punch him, but like when that doesn't work, he's gonna come up with something wacky, right. uh, which he does. And um, and I like that there is a um, a message in this episode. It's not just fight an, a scary bad guy. There is like there is something to this episode. I think this cost. This must have been an expensive episode too, oh. because there there it's a lot of exteriors. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the one exterior which everybody knows, you can go and visit it. I forget the whatever it's called. It's like location. Where the cliff is. You've seen it mm-hmm. in a million things. It's been in Picard. Um, you know that episode. I mean that that cliff that everybody knows. You get there's a parking lot. You can drive right up there. I've never been there, but I know people that have gone there. There's always those people that take pictures of it, but if you want to go, read the description. Um, I, yeah, so, while pursuing a ship that destroyed a Starfleet base, Kirk intrudes into the territory of the highly advanced Metrons, who decide to settle the conflict. Uh, Kirk is, you know, pursuing the ship. Um, so we got, we got trivia and glitter, um... Most of the episode was shot on location at Vasquez Rocks and featured the fort that had been used in the cage. Yeah, I, I we'll, we'll circle around back to the fort. Um, Arena marked the first use of a universal translator. The voice of the Metron was provided by Vic Perrin, who supplied the voice of the baby Balak in the Corbinite Maneuver. And the Gorn is the voice of Ted Cassidy, who's also um, the Rock. Nice. Oh, Rook. Rook. Yeah. Um, different from the Rock. Mm-hmm. Um, who is who is you know Lurch from the X Files. Yeah. Um. So this episode, like, there was a couple things I wanted to talk about first and foremost. Uh, this guy. Right there. Yep. When I saw him, I was like, "Is that is that Pike?" <laughs> like. Oh, okay. Like he. he Let me see. Like. He looks kind of off there, but, like... He does look like he could have been Pike's stunt double. Yeah, in, in episode, like, especially yeah. when, like, the bridge crew is watching the fight happen. That's Lieutenant DePaul. Yeah, I was like, is that Pike? That looks like Pike. Mo- it does. Yeah, you got you got DePaul, and then you got Leslie over there to the right. Yeah, so, um... And then, like... He so does look like kind of a, you know... Yeah, like yeah, Jeffrey Hunter's like it's just like the younger brother. Kind of I think it's the slicked back and kind of yeah. up hair a little yeah. bit. Um, he might have been a stunt double. Like he might have been Jeffrey Hunter's stunt double. He could definitely be a stunt like, double. Probably do that for him. Research, you know. Um, but uh, like so, I I'd like to talk about the so everybody always talks about the fight. Obviously, I want to build up to the yeah. fight because I think there's a lot of really cool things. There's a lot of lore and canon that has come from this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I was thinking, like, today, like, Cestus Three. Cestus Three is mentioned several times on Deep Space Nine because, like, uh, Cassidy Yates' brother lives on on Cestus Three, uh, where this thing takes place. Um, the Gorn um, is something that we hear about quite often um, in future episodes, not even on this series, but in other, like, a Deep Space Nine. We mentioned the Gorn uh, when when Cisco travels back in time. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, he's like, don't you think I wanted to ask him what it was like to fight the Gorn? Like, so, even in-universe, Kirk fighting the Gorn is, like, epic. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the Federation 
knows, and I know what you, I'll let you take it because you've already mentioned this about the Federation. Um, yeah, this is the first time we've seen the Federation mentioned yeah. by name. We don't get the United Federation of Planets yet, but we do get it referred to as the Federation. Right. This is the first reference to the Federation. Yeah, but, um, like, let's talk about that um, s- set at, like, the first half, well, not the first half, but the, the first Cessus third. The 3 set they boom, beam down to yeah. the planet. I know this has been used. I Googled it last night when I was looking this up, and obviously they used part of it for um, the cage. The cage. and But it's also, I think it was built for, like, an, an Alamo movie. Yeah. It, it, and it's funny if you Google it and go on Reddit or something, like, you'll find that it was used for, like, a lot of things. Um, and eventually the set was torn down. But I think for years until like the late seventies, this set was still there. I, it might even still be there. But I think someone said it was eventually torn down and stuff like that. But this was built for a movie, and it was left there, like getting put up and doing movie sets, and other people could come and use it. Yeah, it it, it felt like it, when I saw it like uh, the first time, I was like, wow, this definitely feels like the Alamo. Yeah. Um, which thematically thematically was pretty appropriate. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, yeah, let's get. So, unfortunately, they didn't have the budget to really um, show what was going on, but that was that was a firefight. Like, they yeah. they were in a firefight with... You see a lot of scorched earth. You see a lot of, like, destroyed buildings. Yeah, um, presumably there were multiple Gorn assailants, you know, with firing, you yeah. know. Um, I think uh, Spock says they have disruptor rifles or something like that. Yeah, well, the one when they find the one guy, he says something like, they had something like phasers, but different. Yeah. Um, and they're receiving mortar fire the entire time. And right. uh, fun fact: uh, all all three of the actors there reported that they have like permanent tinnitus from that episode yeah. because of the pyrotechnics. Yeah. Um, th- those they're just blowing stuff up around them. So. Yeah, that's like when you think about it, for the amount of things that William Shatner did, and he needed a stunt double for, and then this one they didn't. Like, why are you blowing shit up next to your star? Seems like that's a lot worse than you getting punched by Ricardo Montalban's, uh, you know, actor or, or yeah. you know, uh, stunt actor. Yeah. Like, it just <laughs> seems like th- that is going to be, you know, but again, it was a different time, I suppose. But, yeah, I think they definitely said Nimoy and Shatner both had tonight had tinnitus. And to this day, like, Shatner still suffers from, mm-hmm. um, you know, that. Yeah, like, they, you know, it was – um. We we see like that the Gorn are kind of cunning from this uh, from that fight too because right. it's I don't think it's mentioned right th- at that time but like it, it was an ambush like right uh, it was meant to draw the Enterprise there for that fight um, obviously the Enterprise ended up being a little bit more than the Gorn could actually handle because they they ended up running right um, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, there is a little bit. I, I, there is something about the the writing that gets a little confusing. So, they lured the Enterprise in with fake messages. I think it was almost like they must know that the Enterprise is in that area. Like that's kind of the Federation ship that's in that area, and they wanted to test their abilities against it. And then they decided to get head back home, probably to report. And then it turns out that the Enterprise is slightly faster, not by much. Because we see them, like, test them with a warp. And it's interesting because Spock does not want them to engage. He thinks it's a bad idea. He's like, maybe the chase is good enough. And Kirk finally says to him, listen, if we're the only police out here, like, 
we have to do this. And then he's like, okay. He's like, well, I'm glad. And then he kind of tells Spock off. I'm, I'm delighted, Mr. Spock. He's like, I get your point. I know it's your job as the first officer. But, okay, I've made the command decision that we have to deploy these two people. Yeah, once yeah. once again, Kirk making objectively the correct decision. Well, it will, we'll get into that later in the episode. But right. at the time, objectively the correct decision to chase them down and destroy them because you cannot let that kind of thing go unanswered, right? Right, yes. Like and I think that's like any type of terrorism. I mean, yeah. you could watch TV today. I could go home and turn on the TV and – I don't want to get into politics, but that is a big thing going on in the world right now in, yeah. in our in, in, in the world that, you know, how should countries respond to perceived terrorism, you know, whatever. So, you know, and who is and, and I what I do, that's why I like this episode, because I think when I look at it at the vein of what's going on in, in the world today, um, who's right and who's wrong. And there's there seems like there's enough wrong to go around here on both sides. So it's kind of neat that. They're wrecking, even in the 1960s, obviously there were things like this happening in the 1960s. Um, I mean, and I think that they, the writers wanted to address that. This is directly just Cold War shenanigans sure. right here. Like, not, sure. It never got this violent between the USSR and the United States, but like, there were definitely times when the, both the United States and the USSR were testing each other. Um, but you could even go back to World War II leading up to World War II with, you know, certain countries like, say, Britain even saying attacking certain islands because, you know, America or British had colonies on those islands and they felt that was a direct threat to them because those were, they considered their islands mm -hmm. and that led to a lot of conflict and that happens, you know, that's going on all over the world. We can talk about what's going on in, in Ukraine. Like, all of this, like, you know, there's a lot going on and it's, I like that, that, you know, the Enterprise is kind of like, you know, they're supposed to be the, the tough guys, and, and maybe they're overreacting. I like this. Yeah, this, you know? th this feels a like, for historical, like, allegory, this feels a lot like the border sk skirmishes between the USSR and China. Sure. That oh, happened yeah, that's a good point. Because, yeah. like, you know, they, one or the other of them would, they weren't always friends, um, let's, to put it mildly. Um, so, you know, they'd get into these occasional border skirmishes where one of them would, you know, take a jab at the other and then right. they'd jab back. Um, so that's what this kind of feels like. Um, but so I, I just wanted to bring up real quick that, like, Star Trek, the original series, was very much like, I, I've mentioned this before, the, the races are... They behave like humans, but with different culture. Like, okay. they're not, like, in um, later series, Star Trek gets, like, way more um, objectivist about genetic differences in sure. behavior. Like, the Klingons get way more aggressive, like, just genetically, like... Yeah. They're just genetically aggressive species. Well, they create them as a completely different species, yeah. and, and they're not just a variation of Klingons that are based on a specific country of, mm -hmm. of origin. Because yeah. obviously the Klingons and the Romulans are based on specific, you know, enemies of, of, you know, of America, oh, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, but um, the Gorn in this are, you know, we learn later in the episode that the Gorn are responding to a... An act of aggression, right? They perceived as by putting yeah. a building a colony on one of their planets. Yeah, basically. Like they could have sent an email. Yeah. Or maybe you know showed up and said, "Hey, why are you here?" But obviously, that's not the way their culture acts. 
Yeah. Um, you know. Which I- it's it's humanizing. You know that's yeah. that's the thing. Like they're they're humanized. The so I I I I like Strange New Worlds, but like they turned the Gorn into absolute monsters. Star Trek in general has done the Gorn a disservice because they did it on Enterprise as well. Um, and now they've done it again. On That would be my biggest complaint is that they should have just invented a new bad guy uh, rather than doing this kind of retcon of the Gorn. Yeah, like... They're, they're almost like alien now. They're like, they got the... They, they lay eggs in your chest and all that other crap. Yeah. It's I, I agree with you on this. That's probably, if I have one major complaint about anything they've done in canon on Deep on, on Strange New Worlds and and Enterprise is the Gorn. Is the kind of re, re changing the Gorns not coming out. Yeah, like the, you know, like I was I was just like, you know, watching it, they're like, Yeah, the breeding s- they'll turn you into a breeding sack. It's right. like ew, what the I would have rather they did that with like the Tholians or something. Like yeah, that, that would or, be a Tholian. Or just thing. invent a new race that d- we didn't need to kind of revamp the yeah, and like and to be honest, like on Enterprise when they had the Gorn, it, the CGI was really bad for its time, um, and it didn't look good at its time. So it's mm-hmm. like it wasn't even they, they should have just not done it. I mean, and I know that this costume's campy, but yeah. I do like you know what I just noticed last night, and I'm sure I noticed this before and forgot that the it does the helmet does that the costume does blink. Oh yeah, oh, I, I think they might have added that in post. Oh maybe. Like when okay. when they when they redid it, I think. I thought because I watched it last night. It's a good point. Maybe I get that all wrong. I thought they did redo it, but um, oh. all right. Well, they they they're they're chasing them, and then the, the they see that the Gorn ship kind of goes gets stopped, and Kirk gets way too happy about we got them. You know, oh, get yeah. everything ready. Oh, this is also the first time we see uh, uh, photon torpedoes too. Oh yeah, the red the red photons yep. like they fire. First off. time that they mention photon torpedoes. Uh, I like that Spock says Sulu is an experienced combat officer, yeah. and he's like, "It's my ship, damn it! Like I should be there." And he's giving Sulu orders to leave, and Sulu doesn't want to leave. So boom, take the. I think this is one of those first times too that we realize if you lower the shields, you need to lower the shields to transport somebody. I'm not sure if we know that before this. I just can't remember if it was I mentioned before. I think this before. is the first time you have to. We learn that you have to lower your screen, your your screens. They call them the screens. Um, to to use the transport. Yeah, that might be right. I don't I don't remember hearing it. Wrong. Ever. I still think this is again another thing that's very big in canon. Yeah. You can't beam anybody up with the shields on. Up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's um, a big that's a big Star Trek thing. That's a MacGuffin. That's like a thing in Star Trek. Like, you, you know, we can't we can't beam you up because you know. Yeah, it becomes huge in Next Generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's always. Although I don't think they've ever been in a situation where they felt the need to beam anybody up through the shields in any other episode so far, right? Um, but you know, I I appreciate it. It's it's a it's it's, it's a big it's thing on deep spa- on deep space nine and around deep space nine. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah. the planet and this and that, and yeah. you know, you got to lower the. And that's where they have the blade of armor, a blade of armor, um, because they actually like when they're trying to build. Remember, yeah. they're trying to build burn uh, beam all the Cardassian government over yeah. and they're just getting waxed and like the defiant just taking a pounding and he says like as we're gonna find out how much this pounding the ship could take and it's one of my favorite moments where because that's the first warp episode too they figure out a way to disrupt their plans and that's what happens there but the shields being up and not being a means of transport is a great 
canon thing that I think was probably I think this is the first time. Yeah, it 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 adds tension that like right. would have otherwise been not there. Um, so so, so they, they get they up. get uh, captured by the Metrons is who who we are the Metrons. Yes, we are the Metrons. Not the Metronomes. Those are the things that go around. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> a different race. Yeah, it's just a, that's a Doctor Who race. It just goes back and forth between them. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, start a Doctor Who <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I love Doctor Who. I'll do that podcast uh, all day. A, that um, is a goofy show. Um, <laughs> so, um, but they they get stopped by the Metrons, who are like you know they're the so you were saying it earlier the the Gorn stop and Kirk's like why'd that happen? But and he's excited. Yeah, he's like, blast them all right, we're gonna get him. Fire and nothing happens. And they're like, why why aren't we why aren't we firing? And right. Then the Metrons introduce themselves, and they're like, "All right, so you've 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 taken this crap into our space now, okay? Yeah. So we don't like that. Um, you're so not gonna. We have the most barbaric way to settle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- honestly, it's 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 both barbaric and civilized in a way. Right. You know, like it's 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 it. Well, I mean, it'd be kind of funny if you could just say, you know what, we're not gonna have armies anymore. When a country gets mad at another country, the two presidents have to go and fight. And then, you know what? There'd be a lot more treaties. Yeah. If, like, you know, the president of something had to fight the president of something, A, we would we would elect younger and fitter presidents. Yeah. <laughs> but also, maybe there'd be more treaties and there'd be less wars and less people would die. Yeah. So it's probably not the worst idea in the world to just have the two commanders fight it out, right? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like that one scene in Troy where, you know, there's just like, you know, the, you know, just call up the the two guys and yeah. be like, yeah, we'll settle this with these two guys instead of these entire armies getting sure. yeah, slaughtered. Yeah, you don't have to waste your, you know, forces and yeah. stuff. Yeah, so it's it's both civilized because you yeah. know it's it's. Well, know, it, pu- it makes them really have to be, you know, like whatever. And I do like. There is a level that they want to see. They do want to test these races to see how yeah. much of a of a concern they really are. You know, like, is there any civilization? There is, obviously, because of the weaponry. They want to see how advanced these races are. So there is a there is a cue kind of testing them a little bit in this. You know, or, you know, I guess maybe more of the First Federation, like Belon, hmm. wanting to see, like, if you're civilized or not before we, you know. Although now that, uh, now that I'm thinking of it, I... This, the consequence for defeat was the destruction of the other ship. Well, they say that. Um, w- yeah, they, 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 yeah, that's that's what we, like, we let's think assume is the going Gorn wins. Yeah, they um, might have said, "Listen, you're, you know, like we're not going to just kill these people. Like you kill their captain. All right, now you guys got to. We don't know what what the you know the what if the Star Trek what if episode would be is if the Gorn had won. Would they um, really have destroyed the Enterprise? Probably not. I, I, I don't think they would have. I think that that. It was definitely one of those moments where, yeah, you you better say the the right thing right, right. now. Um, I have a very strong feeling if the Gorn had won, um, they would have destroyed the Gorn ship anyway. Um, uh, possibly the the Federation ship as well, yeah. just you know, just to prove a point. Yeah. Um, Way to make a point. Yeah. So let so now let's let's just get right into the fight then, I guess. So um, the Abbas get transported down. 
and there's like this, uh, there is like some little early, that first fight is them testing each other. There's a little bit like, he immediately breaks a big branch off the tree, and Kirk breaks a twig off with like a yeah. sharp twist. <laughs> and I, that's obviously on purpose. That first interaction is to see the strength of how, because he throws a rock at him, you know, yeah. and it just bounces off his chest. He throws, he, he, he drops a, a boulder on him from the top of a yeah. mountain. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, and that, uh, that's right, right he around the point. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he Yeah, so he, he runs up to the gore and he's like, all right, well, time to see what this is about. <clears throat> oh, that didn't do nothing. No, right. the double fist punch did not work. Yeah. Neither time. So I don't know. I got to find the book because we have, we have to add two double fist punches to our total. Yeah. Because he, he does it twice. Yeah, he, he gives him the, the, the back, like, back yeah, double fist this punch. this one, and then there's, like, this one. So he yeah. uses right hand yeah. versus left hand, you know. And then he also gives him one of these, too. And we do learn that they're going a little bit less I- agile. They're, they're, su- they're not super quick moving. For now, yeah. <laughs> Eventually yeah, become they, that changes. lizards. Um, um, um. Well, which is true, because if you get a little tiny lizard, they're pretty quick on the ground. Yeah, they, they become geckos. Yeah, they're fast. But, I mean, crocodiles are pretty quick. So. Yeah, and, um, I guess that's... I, for an advanced race, they have terrible clothing. He's got a, he's got the Tarzan, you know, like, outfit on. I, that's one thing I've always... Co- I, I hated the costume. I, I, lo- I think the Gorn is v- a cool costume. But I don't like the outfit. I just kind of feel like it could have been a little bit more spacey. Yeah, he, he he's de- he definitely is not like wearing something that like. It seems a little barbaric for a ship yeah. that's got warp drive, right? Yeah, I mean it's, I I guess like on a heavily climate controlled ship, like obviously nobody cares about getting right. exposed to vacuum, right. um, ever. So I right. I guess you can this just kind of... This planet pants w- whenever it yeah. wants. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just, like, yeah. not really worried about it. Like, I, I assume they have spacesuits um, sure. of some description. Right. Um, oh, fun fact, by the way. Uh, these, so this is just, like, a little little side tangent nerd thing. Um, in Star Trek Online, they use a more modernized version of the Gorn uh, for the for the video game where they look more like a typical lizard man. Um, but they also, because they had the TOS content, they added that into the game. It was essentially every once in a while in, like, cutscenes and stuff like that, you'll see these Gorn show up. Every oh, that's <laughs> pretty funny. That's pretty good. They're just like, yeah, yeah, we'll just throw in, like, the weird, like, right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> the old-scale Gorn, old-school Gorn. I, I mean, it's... I. So they get to the planet, and then they obviously go off their separate ways and try to figure out, and Kirk's looking for weapons, and he can't find anything. And in, immediately, like, the Gorn builds a trap. He makes a knife. Um, like, so he, they're, they're definitely – he's not – he's intelligent, and, you know, he's coming up with different things. He's, he's, he's working. He's making shit. And, you know, that's when Kirk drops the rock on him, which doesn't work. And then Kirk runs away and gets trapped in almost immediately in one of the – and it looked like – Man, Kirk's getting his ass kicked here, and that's not something we usually see, you know. So it's kind of a neat that that you know that, that Kirk gets hurt, so that he doesn't have the ability. His speed has now mm-hmm. been whatever he does. He's not quick anymore because his left leg is like you know banged up. 
Yeah, I think Kirk says that, like, right when he first sees him. Uh, Might have been right after their first engagement. Well, the first time he uses the the sword. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Uh, He says, like, you know, this is Captain Kirk. If you find this, uh, you know, give us a Starfleet command or whatever he says. And he's like, you know, I'm in, I'm, the Metrons have sent me here to fight the Gorn, and I, and it's a blizzard, and I have to remember that this is an intelligent creature, and, but I, he's slow. He says, he does a whole narrative the first time, which is a weird thing that the Gorn can hear. Mm-hmm. Like, it's interesting choice by the Metronones, the Metrons, <laughs> to, um, um, let them hear each other, what they're saying, which seems to be part of them trying to humanize their enemies. Yeah, right. That's why they can hear it. Yeah, I think it's it's. I think that's definitely part of what the Metrons were going for. Like, is to make sure that they could hear each other. Obviously, the Gorn doesn't use it in that way. Um, he eventually contacts Kirk and like, hey, attention. (laughs) I need throat lozenges. (laughs) Yeah, he's. (laughs) Yeah, he's. Captain Kirk, stop running. Yeah, but then that's that's obviously very important. They get to that because that um um, that um you know is when we start to realize. And by that point, um you know Spock's been trying to communicate with them, and I think at some point they must realize, okay, these this race, these people, um are compassion. They care about their commander. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not, we're going to kick your ass. They're like, please, and they're the thing of mercy and all that stuff. So they let them watch what's happening. And, um, you know, I think that's a, an interesting development that happens. And you're like, you know, and if you have a deity, you might want to start praying to them because you guys are about to get your, you know, your captain's losing. And they have to watch it. Um, it's an interesting thing that we get to watch it because, If you, when you watch this episode, it's funny because they're watching the screen, but it's not like surveillance footage. No. <laughs> it's like you're watching the episode like we're watching the episode. Like they zoom in on Kirk's face for a dramatic moment. And it's like weird. Like it, it's almost like I, part of me feels that when they were working on this episode that they realized that they needed a narrative. <laughs> so they needed to have the crew watch what was happening to Kirk. So he could, so Spock could explain what why Kirk is smiling when he finds sulfur. Yeah, I almost feel like they had to rework the script or something during production because they said, "Oh my God, like this episode doesn't make any sense if you're just watching it. Like, what's the yellow stuff? What's the white stuff? And why does he realize? You know, I feel like maybe the script got changed when they were working on this episode. Yeah, I I think that was definitely a good choice on their part to include. Um, you know, Spock explaining what he was going for. Right. Because, like, I, I think the knowledge of the basic, like, elemental construction of gunpowder powder is caused by this episode. Like, people are aware of it because of this episode. Right. Like, I don't think people in the... take high si- school chemistry? No. Okay, when I was in <laughs> high school, my friends and I all loved Star Trek. And when we started taking chemistry, we knew what we needed for gunpowder so we were like okay if we ever do an experiment that involves potassium nitrate or sulfur like just save it like take some of it and hide it in our drawer like 
because we want to make gunpowder like Captain Kirk. Like, literally, we weren't trying to blow anything up. We weren't building a bomb, but we wanted to see if we could do what Captain Kirk did. So I remember my buddy Mike, we did we did an up we we had a lab where we used sulfur. So he took some sulfur and he put it in like a thing and he stored it in the drawer. And then like three months later, we actually did potassium nitrate. And so I store the potassium nitrate in my lab drawer, my my chemistry drawer. We had our drawer. Everybody had their own drawer for your table where you kept your stuff in. And I remember we came back the next week and it was gone. And we went up to to uh, Mr. Reese and said, hey, man, what happened? And he's like, listen, I've watched Star Trek too, And he knew what we were doing. He knew all along. He's like, you're not building gunpowder in, in my chemistry lab. So, you oh. know, the coal, we figured we could just go to the corner store and buy a charcoal because Spock says charcoal <laughs> or ordinary coal. And I love that Spock moment when he's like, where, where Spock looks at the camera, he smiles, he's like, coal. Like it's, it's, but it's funny that, like, you know, everybody now knows how to make gunpowder mm. because I don't know the ratio. Probably would have blown ourselves up. Yeah. <laughs> I to, in honor of Mr. Reese, rest in peace, uh, you were probably smart to not let us have sulfur and potassium yeah. nitrate. I imagine that, like, it, we – Yeah, I can't even imagine <laughs> what, what, like, we would, like – we would get accused of being, like, terrorists, like – <laughs> Right. When I went to school, like, they'd be like, what are you trying to build a bomb for? <laughs> We're just trying to be Star Trekky. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Like, I, I do like, well, you mentioned already that Mythbusters did this. And they said it couldn't be done. N- n- not in that way. They said um, that, that Kirk would have died because <laughs> the bamboo would have blown up and he would have died because um, it would have exploded. But they did preface it that maybe – the space bamboo yeah. of that was planet was stronger than regular bamboo. That's yeah. what they – because they did get an explosion to go off, but I'm not sure because they couldn't control the explosion enough that it would just have blown up and killed Kirk. <laughs> and they weren't sure if it would have blown – it didn't – probably wouldn't have moved the projectiles enough to kill the Borg. Yeah, they, they, they were definitely like, yeah, we the, – the rope the rope was not sufficient to uh, contain the – It's space rope. The, yeah. the, the rope on that planet – and uh, the bamboo is a much stronger space. I, I choose to believe that. Yes, the, well, yeah, you know what? The the metronome. The metro, well, now you got me doing it. I didn't even watch. I didn't even watch uh, <laughs> Doctor Who, and you got me doing it. The metron. Me, metrons. We are the metrons. They they did say we we've left a way for you to do this. Right. So you know what? Could have been. Right. It was just. They a fabricated. Uh, they didn't bust the myth. They said it's plausible. Yeah, you would need something better. Yeah, although I think they also said that the the mixture. That I think in the episode they had to kind of cheat the mixture a little bit right. because they weren't able to actually by hand figure out the correct ratios. Right. Um, but you know, Maybe Kirk was really good in high school chemistry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he stored away the the. The, the chemicals and did the Yeah, experiment. I'm sure there's a specific ratio. And there's probably something that if the sensors were around in the 1960s, they might have said we can't, like, put the ratio in there. Because <laughs> right. a lot of times the Mythbusters, they'll, like, they'll, they'll blurt out certain things because they don't want to, like, be oh, yeah. using them as a code word or something. But I think they might have done that in the episode of Mythbusters. They were like, yeah, you just need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously Kirk does do the Kirky humany thing where he, he, he 
you know. I, I like the build up to it too. Mm-hmm. The music's good. Like I love yeah. the music in this episode. It's one of my favorite Star Trekky background themes. The tension building. It's very well composed. And then, um, you know, and he's got to like use the universal transmitter to get a spark going. It looks like he really did get a spark going. And um, and he sets it off, and then um, he critically wounds the uh, Gorn, and, and he won't kill him. Yeah, he's he, like, you know, he's like, I won't do it. And um, the Metrons were even like, all right, well, since you're too much of a wuss to kill him yourself, we'll kill him. And they him even for say, you. you want us to kill him for you? He's like, no, 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 that's not necessary. Although we don't know how they ever. I'm assuming because they do also when they they send the, him back to the Enterprise. The Enterprise moves to like wherever the heck it got moved to, um, and it, I don't know how long it'll take him to get back to Sisters Three. Because they left people on Sisters Three, if you remember, he, he left a crew there. Yeah, I mean, I assume they must have. Um, he left people there to look for survivors. Yeah, I assume a- after the events of the episode, they must have worked something out with the yeah. Gorn, thanks to Kirk sparing the Gorn, probably. Once again, he saves the world. Yeah, yeah, Kirk uh, probably put the 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 foundational steps to diplomacy and right. right there and then because. Later on, you know, as you mentioned, um, Cestus Three is a it's a Federation colony. Yeah, so they must have worked something out, and sure, and I don't know. I I, I do like the. I think that there's just a ton in this episode that uh, I mentioned. Just so much canon and lore and and universe building that is incorporated into this episode. Like there's just so much, um, you know, cool stuff, and you know, and even I don't know. Just I like it. I like the even. Um, Like even some of like like the one guy, um, that's on the planet with them. Uh, Remember, like you know, the one guy gets killed, and the other yeah. guy comes up, and he said they got him, and he's like, and he asked that Kirk asked that guy his opinion on how far he should angle the weapon. Oh, yeah. So I I liked it. I liked that there was like a almost like a military aspect of it. Like he asked that guy, you know, what do you think? Like he's like, well, I would angle angle it at this thing, and he's like, put it over there, and. Here's my estimated other thing. And that actor's voice sounded familiar to me, so I Googled the actor, and, and I realized that the actor um, passed away very quickly after this in a motorcycle accident. Jeez. So in his – and, yeah, like it was him, and he was riding a motorcycle with his girlfriend at the time, and he died. The actor – and the actor had, like, a nice career going. I went and Googled the, the actor, and he had done a lot of – been in a lot of different shows, and kind of like the actor was kind of getting some steam, and – and then the actor died, like, within, like, a year or two of this episode. And his girlfriend, um, she was unable to speak after that happened. So it was kind of yeah. a sad, sad sad, thing that I, like, when you kind of re- look look up these episodes, sometimes you find uh, some weird things that you didn't want to speak of. Yeah, that was almost Mark Hamill. Sure. Like, <laughs> like Mark, Mark Hamill, you know, almost just died in a car accident. And, you know, we wouldn't have gotten, well, Star Wars wouldn't have really even happened. Like, I don't what know a, what would have happened if they had to recast Mark Hamill. Yeah, Luke's dead. <laughs> like it's just. Yeah, I think assuming they would have recast him, and then he would have been uh, the biggest star in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, I forget about because that was between episode. Episode four well, and five. Four. I mean, they weren't. They don't consider episodes. Yeah. But between Star Wars and Empire, then he would have been mm-hmm. that. And they always joked about that's why he had the scar in, but that's not the reason he did the scar in. Um, they said they just wanted to do the scar in just because. That's what they said. That's what they said. That oh. it could have been like a, because he ends up in the bathroom for a while. That's not too bad. 
Yeah. They, I always assumed that they did that because of the scarring that he got in that accident. Um, but it's a shame when you think about there's too, too many accidents that happen on this track in weird circumstances trying to attempt to. Uh, I mean, that's um, Chekhov's move. Yep. Got yep. And then, uh, well, even what happened with the, the guy from Hawkeye is kind of on that. I mean, they, they, there's a lot of Hollywood actors, and that uh, kind of opens you up to a, a lot of freak accidents. Yeah. Um, but um, the great episode. Where yeah. do you where do you rank this? And do you rank this episode high? Is this one of your favorite Star Trek episodes? I mean, I know we probably couldn't talk about this down the road, but is this one of your favorites? So far for this season, it's my favorite. Okay. Like, um, I think I like it more than any other episode. Uh, in this season, um, so far, okay. uh, we haven't gotten to uh, uh, the the. I forgot the title, the the episode title, um, the the one with the time portal, uh, basically. Oh, the city on the edge of forever. Yeah, city on the edge of forever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right there. Oh, that's, hold what, it. that's what they see. Um, there it is. Yeah. So that. There's a, I'm a, I can't wait to see this episode yeah. because there's a lot of like there's a lot of online discussions about that episode about like you know why did he blah 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 so I can't wait to get that episode because there's a lot of people that don't understand like um, my opinion that don't understand how sci-fi is constructed mm -hmm. um, in that concept of time so that's why I think that's a big one because I love the concept of paradox and how that Doctor Who constantly used it so um, so this will be an interesting discussion. We got some cool ones coming up because what's next? The next is the next tomorrow, one is when they go back in time. Tomorrow something. Tomorrow is just or yes all yesterday's a tomorrow or what's it called? I always get I always get the wording wrong on this one. Let me look it up real quick. Sorry, I'm just being fucking lazy. It's tomorrow is tomorrow is tomorrow is yesterday's. That's I'm I'm saying it wrong, but I'm pretty I'm close. That sounds correct. Not in the book, or is no, it? No, I'm on my own. Tomorrow is yesterday. The next two episodes are great episodes. Tomorrow is yesterday, and then court martial. And I really like court martial. Court martial's really good. And then I hate Return of the Akrons. I don't even remember Return of the Akrons right now. Festival, festival. It's uh, what's the movie where you go crazy one day a year? The Purge. Oh, the Return of the Akrons to yeah. me is the Purge. Yeah, I remember it's that. It's the Purge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't like. There's, there's, there's that episode's one we're gonna. I think we're gonna. We'll, we'll, we'll do that one quickly. Not a strong episode. No. The festival. Are you of the body? Like, <laughs> uh, that's that's not one I would ever ever consider buying. Yeah. Same same city as yeah. as the, what they filmed. It's Mayberry. The, yeah. <laughs> I think it's Mayberry. I mean, obviously, it's everything. It's the Hollywood. It's the Paramount, Paramount Studios. Yeah. But you know, we we know mostly it from you know, all of this other stuff. Like, why is all the architecture just like funny stuff? Yeah. <laughs> like really funny stuff. Yeah. Yep. All right. Right back cool. in the city where all the diseased children were. Yeah. All right. So I think that'll do it. Remember, if you have any opinions on the Star Trek episodes coming up, so that would be Tomorrow is Yesterday, yep. and Court Martial, and possibly Festival? Yeah, yeah, I'll probably watch it. Maybe, um, we can maybe even knock it out like quickly before the end of the 
Because I love Court Meisner. I, mm. He's an iconic actor playing Boyer. I, I think I, the, the first time, the real time travel episode was that mm. one. Um, yeah. And then there's some canon issues with it, I think. But, mm-hmm. um, a couple. <laughs> um, cool. So, yeah, if you got any opinions on those episodes, go ahead and send them to Double Fist Punch Podcast at yahoo.com. And, uh, you know, I'll read those and, you know, we'll see if we get some different perspectives, yep. um, which I always appreciate hearing what other people have to say about these episodes. Yeah. Um, okay. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for watching. This has been the Double Fist Punch Podcast. <laughs> 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 One second. Let me punch in my mic. Thank you. <laughs>